0: I put my suit on today because when I came in last night, I saw all those redneck hippies. And I thought, I'm going to give them something to shoot at. So we'll see next Sunday if they learn anything. Good to be here. I've been here so long. I've been here longer than most all of you. Maybe a handful of you have been here longer than I I was here long, I was here before your pastor was here. I was here when some other dude was here. Don't even remember his name. You probably remember. He's a good man. But it's good to be back again. It's good to be here every single time I get the opportunity. It's good to be here. Been an incredible year in Mexico. I know you've had an incredible year. You, you told us about it last night and again this morning. You've had an incredible year. You're going to have an even greater incredible year next year. But I don't know that we can match our year this past year. Super, super incredible. The power of God, the anointing of God, the compassion of God, the supplying of the needs by God. Incredible year. I'm I'm very pleased to be able to, to go back to Mexico in a couple of weeks and complete the, the brand new medical clinic we started uh, a few, few months ago, a couple of months ago. It doesn't take me long to pray. Sometimes people say, how long did it take you to pray for that project? I said, oh, maybe two seconds. I walk with God so long, I know God and God walk with me the same amount of time and he knows me. It doesn't take us long to communicate. I built a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful uh, dormitory for the American teams that go down. Gorgeous. So after we had finished it, it was last year, after we had finished it, uh, there were some visitors and one man asked me, he said, wow. How long did it take you to pray about this thing? I said, less than two minutes. He just shook his head. Well, two months ago, two and a half months ago, God spoke to me again. Just like that, he says, build a clinic for the poor. I said, it's okay, and I walked off, staked it off, drove the stop down, and I said, this is our clinic. That clinic will cost probably $150,000. And it's already paid for. I talk about your God. Your God. You see, sometimes you're wasting your time praying for weeks and weeks and weeks. Why don't you just ask God and get up and do it? I just went down the uh, Missouri River two years ago. I called up there, and I said, I'm going to come, and I'm going I'm to travel down your river, a little flat-bottom boat. Well, what kind of boat is it? a little about three foot wide. You can't do it. I said, you can't. He said, you you have no idea. Here, the lakes, the river is dammed. Here, the lakes are 200 miles long, four miles wide. He said, we have stormed up here. You don't have any idea what it's like. You can't make it. Virtually impossible. I said, I think I can. And I did. I sunk my boat, but I made it. (laughs) Bailed it out, but I made it. So, when God says for me to do something, I have the same attitude. They said, why are you going to do that? I said, because I can. Me and God is a majority. Me and God, we can. So I'm grateful for a tremendous year, last year, because God can first, and then he allows me to be one who can. So it's great to be here with you. Thank you for 20-some-odd years of support. From the first day that I came into this church until this day, you've never missed supporting Mexico ministries. So everything I do, you do. So sometimes when you're down, you're kind of discouraged. You, you don't have 5,000 in your church. and you, well, We have that many down there that you've been a part of raising up. We have many more than 5,000. You've been a part of every church that's been built down there. I'm grateful I'm thankful. This is Christmas time, the time to be happy, time to spend a lot of money. You know, you look forward to this year. The kids are all happy. Parents are happy. Everything is good. Your family is well. Your finances well. Somebody gave you a a, a bonus just before the the holidays here. You're going to spend it, part of it on me, but you're going to spend it on yourself. It's a time of happiness, a time for the family to get together. There there are no problems. Everything is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful for most people. But for those that it's not so wonderful, I'm going to preach to you this morning. I'm going to tell you that there is a restorer of your happiness that Satan has robbed. I'm going to tell you that there is a restorer of your finance that Satan has Robbed. I'm going to tell you there is a restorer for whatever hurts you this morning. This is Christmas. You may have come in here sad. I want you to leave out of here with a joy of hope and a smile big as a half yard wide on your face because God loves you. Let us turn in our Bibles. By the way, if you were here last night, who are, was there anyone here last night? Well, I, I noticed you're sleeping, so I know you, you didn't hit the whole message, so you're going to get the rest of it this morning. But I'm going to preach an entirely different message, and I'd love for you to be here. If you have no plans, stay over for the second sermon, because the second sermon I'm going to be preaching about the patient. It's all about the patient. Nothing was ever about Jesus, about Moses. It was all about why they came. It was about the sick, the hurting, the needy, the poor, the lost, the wretched. Be a good message. Now, let's turn to our, in our Bibles to Second Samuel chapter 9. Give my regards again to Pastor. I was able to be with him just a little time uh, on Friday night. Uh, Trust that he's having a good time. Either he doesn't like my preaching at all, or he has a lot of confidence in me. I don't know what it is. He's intimidated. He's gone. I don't know if he's intimidated or what, but he's gone. I know that. Gone, gone, gone. But I'm going I'm to talk on, on the desire of God is to give back to you everything that Satan has taken from you. I saw a couple here last night. They were broken. They were crying right here, standing right here. And I looked at them and I thought of all that Satan has tried to, to, to hurt them with. Weeping. What, what, what's causing that broken heart? I know that Satan has done his best to destroy them. And I know that God wants to do his best to restore them. So I've asked the pastor to reach out to them and I've asked them to continue to come to church because Christ is the answer. Now, before I get into the message, I want to tell you Christmas is a Christmas is a, is a wonderful season. I love to receive gifts for Christmas. Did you hear me over here? I love to receive gifts for Christmas. And I like more to receive gifts for Christmas from this aisle here. And on this aisle, I'll let you slide just a little bit, but not all the way. I, l- I like Christmas gifts. There's a young couple, two young couples that have been working with us in Mexico for a long time, about 30 years old, 32. Very, very, very Poor. Helping out wherever they can around the church. Both of them are married. Both of them have two little children, two little girls. Each one has two little girls. One they named Mary Lou. We have a little Mary Lou there. They're poor. They don't know it, but there's an envelope that's going to be given to them at Christmas time to one of the couples. And when they open that envelope, it's going to say, You are the owner of this house and property. I sent the money this week to buy the house for them. If I know how to give good things, how much more does our heavenly father? Oh, and by the way, the other, we're buying a little piece of property, and he doesn't know it, but we're going to put a little house on there for for him also. I love to receive gifts and I love to give them. I would love to restore everything that's been taken from you. It would please me so much, but I can't. But there is one without limit who loves you more than we love you, and he is more than able. Let us read from the 2nd Samuel, chapter 9, verse 1. Then David said, Is there yet left anyone of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. They called him to David. The king said, Are you Ziba? He said, I am your servant. And the king asked the same question. Is there yet any one of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who's crippled in his feet. The king said, where is he? And he said, in Lodobor. King said, bring him to me. Verse 7, young man comes then, falls prostrate uh, before David. David said, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan. Now, listen to these next words. And I am going to restore. That's what David said. I will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. That's powerful. I I hope you're grasping something. David had no obligation whatsoever to do what he did. I had no obligation to do what I did this, this last few days for these two young men. But it's because of the love and the compassion. David had such a relationship with Jonathan, he wanted to do for the young, if there was any air left. And go on down and says then the king calls Saul's servant, Zeban and said to him, All that belong to Saul and to all his house I have given to your master's son. I've given him all the land. I've given him all the barns. I've given him all the buildings. I've given him that John Deere tractor over there, that Kubota tractor. And. Whatever implement they had, David was going to give it all to that little crippled boy. And I like this, what he said. You and your sons and your servants shall cultivate the land for him. You shall bring in the produce so that the master's grandson may have food. Nevertheless, Mephibosheth shall eat at my table with my sons. Not showing any difference between a crippled boy and his own son. Now, I will quote you a scripture that pastor quoted a little bit ago. Satan has one purpose in life. One purpose to exist. That's to rob, to steal, to kill And to destroy you. From the day you were born, that was his mission in life. To make sure that you never succeeded. And that you were not going to have a happy life. The very second half of that scripture. But Jesus said, I came. I came. I came to give you life. And to give you life more abundantly. I've come to bless you. And I've come to destroy what, the, what Satan is trying to destroy from you. I've come to destroy him. Remarkable restoration. How many loves to be restored? How many, how many needs to be restored? Do you really need a restoration? They're hurting people here today. They're sick people here today they are broken homes here today. There are, there are financial needs here today. Wherever two or three are gathered together, somebody's going to have a need. And our God is the one that can fix that need. Sometimes we, we fall into conditions that we are responsible for. I mean, sometimes, you've, you've probably said this. I've said it many times. I judge everybody by me. That's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do. I mean, they, they need to look like me. They need to act like me. They need to dress like me. or They need to straighten up like me. They, and when I find somebody, I, I, that's a, and we all do that. We all do that. So when I find somebody and they're going through tough times, I said, brother, you made the bed and now sleep in it. You're the one that knew better, but you did it anyway. Now you suffer it. You know, with that way, we have this tendency because we're, we're doing okay. We have a tendency to judge why that person is in a tough street. But it doesn't matter if you're responsible or if you're not responsible. It doesn't matter if you're a sinner or, or, or if you've been a saint for all of your life. It doesn't matter. God can restore the Christian and God can restore the sinner. That's who he is. He is a restorer, no matter what caused your situation. Mephibosheth was a young boy. When news came back that his grandfather and his father were killed, he was just a child, five years old. The nurse picked him up, grabs him, runs out of the house and drops him, and he breaks his feet. He's a cripple all of his life. All of his life. All of his life. And so when they bring him before David, he said, he said, I'm a dog. I have nothing to impress you, David. I have nothing to offer you, David. I am not worthy of even looking into your face, David. I have nothing. I'm a nobody. Have you ever felt that you were a nobody? Have you ever felt that things are so bad in your life, you're just no good for anything? There, there is no hope. There is no, there, 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 there's nothing that you have to offer. We get to those low places in life. And Ziba was there, just a young, crippled young boy. But when he lay there, and then he heard the news of the restorer. I'm going to give you back everything that belonged. Your, your grandfather was a king. He was a rich man. He had a lot of land. He had a lot of building, a lot of possession. And I'm going to tell you, little boy, that is yours as of this day forward. That's yours, all of it. I'm giving it back to you. I'm restoring all of it back to you. And on top of that, there's 40 people. Let's see, 15 and 25, that makes 40? 40 people that are going to form your land, harvest your land, plant your seed, bring the crops in, and it's all going to be yours. But don't worry about it because I'm a king, and I set a pretty good table And you're going to eat at my table every day, three times a day. You're going to sit there with my sons. You're going to be my son. That's restoration. That's your God. That is your Lord. And he's come today to restore everything that the devil has ever robbed you of. If your family is broken today, it's not because God wanted it. It's because Satan demanded it. If you're broke, if you're out of a job, if you're hurting financially, that's not because God wants it. It's because Satan is determined to destroy you. You understand the message today? You understand where we're going? Let's look at another lady. I love the story of Ruth and Naomi. You see, the little boy, Mephibosheth, had nothing to do with his situation. It just happened. Well, Naomi was a wonderful lady in Bethlehem, had a wonderful family, a couple of great boys, great husband. And tough times came to Bethlehem, and so they heard that it was better over in Moab, and they left in, and they went to Moab. And while they were over there, when he arrived in Moab, everything was wonderful. The boys found beautiful ladies and married them. And then tragedy strikes. Elimelech, her husband, dies. Both of the boy, her boys, die. She's there, she's there alone with two daughters-in-laws. Satan has a way of reaching deep into your life and taking the very core of your love and your compassion and, and, and all that God wants for you. Satan has a way of reaching in and just pulling that out by the roots. And so she stands there with her daughters-in-law. She said, I have nothing. Oh, God, I, I, I never want to get to that place again that I have nothing. I remember in the beginning of my ministry in Mexico, I remember sleeping in my van while my friends slept in their hotels. I remember going to Acapulco, sleeping on the golf course in my van, Why my high-class friends slept at the beautiful hotel, the princess, and I'm in a van. But it was all right. It was all right. But times, I felt like I was nothing. When I was in that shed, bathing in a water bucket, didn't know a word of Spanish. Long ways from Mary Lou and my boys. Sometimes I got down so low because I was a nobody. I had nothing to offer. Naomi stood with the border between Moab and Israel, said to her girls, I have nothing to offer. I'm old. If I was to marry tonight, if I was to have children, <clears throat> could you wait until they grew up and marry them? no, no. Go your way. One child, one daughter-in-law, one girl stood with her, and the two returned to Bethlehem. When they returned to Bethlehem, the women said, Naomi, is this Naomi? Because she had been gone some time. And Naomi said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Myra. Call me Bitter." God has dealt with me so severely. I left full. I've come back totally empty. Satan wants to take everything you have away from you. He's working 24 hours a day to steal, to rob, to kill, to destroy. Everything you have. But there's a greater than he. There's a greater, there's a restorer. Who's greater than Satan? And so they go in to Bethlehem. I will speed forward real fast because Naomi goes out and works, uh, and Ruth goes out and works in the field. Finds favor with the owner of the field, marries the the owner of the field, has a little baby by the owner of the field, named him Obed. This is what the women said then. Blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer. Today, may his name become famous in Israel. May he be to you a restorer, a restorer of life and sustainer in your old age. Your daughter-in-law who loves you is better than seven sons to you. And Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat Jesus, and after uh, begat David, and after a lot of begettings came Christ, Christ our Lord and our Savior. Tell me that God cannot restore everything that Satan has taken from you. You prove to me that God does not have the ability to give you back what Satan has taken. Show me in the scripture. Show me by example. That God cannot do it. And I'll show you a thousand times over. He has done it. Restorer of those. I, I would like to have about two hours. But I've got to put part of it on the next sermon. But there's Job. All of you know about Job. We all preach about Job. Very few of us ever preach about his wife. Job had everything that a man could ever dream of in life. He was the wealthiest of the wealthy. He had a great family that loved to celebrate. Every month in one of the boys' homes, they had a special celebration, and all of them gathered there. He had animals. He had had everything you would want in life. But here comes the sloughfoot. Here comes the demon. Here comes the devil. The same devil is trying to rob you and steal your joy and steal your happiness. The same one that determined to destroy you. Here he comes. He touches Job's life. All of his cattle are gone. All of his donkeys are gone. All of his animals are gone. Everything that he has. And finally, the crushing blow was the day the storm blew the, the house down. And every child he had, he had to bury them. And then Satan touched his life, and he had sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And he would scrape the rotten flesh off of his body. You might as well bury him. He can't be restored. You can't give him back for all that Satan had taken. Well, get that negative thought out of your mind. God can do exactly what God wants to do anytime God wants to do it. And the, and, 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 the, and the wife comes out. Do not ever be critical of her when she said to her husband, curse God and die. Mary Lou would have done that, but she wouldn't have waited near as long. She was broken. That was her children that had died too. It was her wealth that was taken away from her as well. It was her husband that she was losing. She was hurting. She was hurting. But fast forward to the end of his life, and Job, the Bible said, was restored twice, best, m- twice as many animals, twice as much wealth, twice of everything, and he, gave, he was given his children back. The boys and the girls, and the girls are the most beautiful in the land. Don't tell me God cannot rescue from where you are. However low you may be, you have a restorer that not only can, but he'll reach down into the mud, into the the muck of your life, and he'll reach down and pick you up because he loves you, and he has that ability to restore your happiness, your home, your family, your finances, everything, your health, God can do it. But now, these the that I've told you about, they've never, they were not guilty. They were good people. But what about me, Pastor? What about me? I'm a sinner. I don't know God. I made my bed, so I, I, I've, I've got to sleep in it. No, you're wrong, my friend. God loves the sinner so much. I'll give you a couple of real quick examples. The woman at the well. All messed up. How many has had a second marriage? Be honest with me. I'm honest with you. How many has had a third marriage? Being honest. Any number four? Come on, I'll be honest. We're, we're in the house of God. Number four. Well, you know, you could probably stand in the front of the mirror and look at the person you're looking at and realize maybe that person had some of the problems with all those marriages. Not always you've got to hold a bad mate. You know, sometimes you have to look at yourself and say, hey, part of that was my fault. But God doesn't look at the fault. He sat there and he talked with the woman who had been married five times and was living out of wedlock. And he said, if you'll only let me, I'll give you water that you will drink and never be thirsty again. Restored that lady's life. She goes into town, brings the entire town back and said, come on, I want to show you the restorer of my life. He knelt by the side of the prostitute, knelt down by the side of her. He didn't condemn her. He said, I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to restore your life. Now, just get up, go on, and don't sin anymore. He loves the sinner so very much. He wants to restore every sinner that there is. I love the story, and I'll close here in a couple of more minutes. Mary Magdalene. I mean, she must have been a wild cat must have been raised somewhere in Texas or, or 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 Atlanta or maybe up the road up there or ways down the road maybe over in, she was raised over in in Arkansas but she was wild she had seven demons living in her seven demons i've never had one demon living in me i don't even want to be around a demon But can you imagine being tormented by seven demons? Must have been miserable. But yet Jesus cast every demon out of her life. Restored her life to the point she was there at the cross when he took his last breath. She followed him to the tomb when they closed the tomb. She was there the morning that he was resurrected. She was the first one that he spoke to. She clung to him until he said, woman, don't cling to me. I have not yet been resurrected. You talk about restoration. If Christ can do that for someone demon possessed, who are you that God cannot rescue and restore? Everything broken in your life, God wants to make it right. And give it back to you. Will you stand with me? Pastor, would you come?